Hey, baby. Hey. Naomi and Andy here with yep. a quick cue slash request. Yes. So, okay, Acast is doing these audience surveys, okay? We put the link in the show notes. The link is going to be in the link tree on our on Instagram and everything like that. Here's the thing, Naomi. Yeah. You know, we're already pretty choosy about the ads right. that we allow on the show. No weapons manufacturers. Raytheon, get out of here. Yeah. Screw off, Raytheon. But we want to make sure that the ads are kind of tailored to y'all. Right. Okay? Right? Say you want to hear ads for a different world DVD box sets. We need to know that. We, we need can to go out that. to them. We can get the word <laughs> out. But we only can get the word out if you give us the word. So you got to fill out the survey. It is quick, quick, quick. And it just lets us know if the ads you're hearing are the right ads for you. Yeah. So get on over to the show notes where that link is or the Couples Therapy link tree and fill out that quick survey so we can pass the word on to ACAST. All right. Roll it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Open your hearts, loosen your butts. It's time for Couples Therapy. Yeah, this podcast is Andy and Naomi's, where they can both laugh and hang with all their homies, talking excellent vacationing with brunches and cuddling, to messy situations, shits and conscious and coupling, from Netflix hookups to single them with some Hulu, text sex, regrets, or feeling on your new jubu. They gon' talk about it, ah, yeah, you are invited, ah, needing therapy, I guarantee, baby, we got it. It's Hello, everyone, and welcome to Couples Therapy. My name is Naomi. My name is Andy. And we're a real-life married couple. <laughs> a real-life married couple of comedians. And on Couples Therapy, we answer a couple of different questions from a couple of different listeners. Now, Andy, how you doing? Yes, Miss Peckerman. <laughs> <laughs> how you doing, girl? You can call me Mr. Eck Paragon if you're nasty. I will call you Mr. Eck Paragon. <laughs> no, we don't want to do that. That's yeah, dead no. energy. So. Yeah, Oof. Oh, yeah, we're not into him. So uh, <laughs> let's um, just, oh, my God, the way he cackles, the way he cackles when it's, it's messy. When it's messy, though. It's not just funny, it's messy. No, it's and true. Andy likes messy. That, no, 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 that cackle is, you just told the truth. Oh, well, and if that's all comedy is, then shit, why am I out here trying so hard? <laughs> and Naomi, as a, as a uh, student of a student of Del Close, <laughs> I know that a student. truth in comedy right, is what it is. Right, is key, is absolutely key. And also uh, heroin in comedy, I guess, if you're <laughs> Del Close. Well, dark, dark, dark. <laughs> okay. Uh, what were you going to ask me, though? 
I was just gonna ask you how you were. I'm really putting this on you because I told you I'm tired. So oh yeah, you, no, I'm tired too. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I'm just like Andy has a book club in 45 minutes, so he's got to save his energy for razzle dazzle. I got 30 pages left to read. I got, I got. Okay, I got to save my energy to read 30 pages very quickly. Okay, you had 30 pages an hour and a half ago. No, I had 35 pages. So you read five. <laughs> Took a 20 minute nap in there. I had to take some pictures of Mabel. Would you say you're a slow reader or a fast reader? Um, it depends on what the book is. It depends on how engaging the prose is. And this mm. is like some, we had just read Paul Beatty's Slumberland, mm-hmm. which was magnificent and read very quickly because yep. he's such a fantastic writer. And then this thing, we decided to to cleanse the palate with like a fantasy novel. Okay. And f- I have not found a ton of fantasy writers that are also engaging writers like george r R. martin is the fucking worst he's a great i will say this great at narrative he's a world builder yeah but i find him very dense and very overly descriptive i do think there's such a thing as overly descriptive the book andy is reading now i don't remember the title but i'll tell you this i read the back just out of curiosity (laughs) and was like no thank you like even just the way the back was written i was like you couldn't even make this zippy you couldn't even make this zippy if I was standing in a in an airport yeah. and wanted to know what the vibe was. Well, you couldn't no, no, even no. give it to me zippy on the back. This was supposed to be the like I don't have it. The next Game of Thrones or something like that. This is what it was like. And it's better the the writer is a much better writer than George R. R. Martin. Great, 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 great. I but believe you're gonna come out here talking trash about Jar George Jar 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 Martin. Jar Jar Martin. <laughs> Jar Jar Martin Binks and Misa th- You know everybody <laughs> is gonna come here. Misa think at us. it's a song of fire and ice. <laughs> I don't know what Jar Jar says, so I can't really appreciate what you just did. Okay, y'all, you have to, you should know how little I know about Star Wars. I literally said to Andy last week, I was like, is Mandalorian and Andor part of the original Star Wars? Is Star Wars based on a book? How do they have all these spinoffs? Yeah, you asked if Star I was like, Wars where do all these characters come from? And I'm not even a big fan, just but, but by being a, a, a male in this culture... I, uh, born I, of a certain era yes exactly it's you like seeped, not know seeped into my head osmosis like just from the the collective unconscious right right whereas i managed to avoid it entirely i referred to um was it salacious crumb i said oh that little man <laughs> in the tub the fact that, that that like i know that that character's name yeah full name it has a full name salacious I, b crumb the it got the initial and everything and i was like that little creature in the tub because i tried to watch mandalorian because everybody was like what a fun ride and i just like started it and i was just like i don't think i like star wars times Mm -mm. i just don't like star wars times of life so i couldn't do it by the way did i photoshop a version of salacious crumb with a big butt and called it salacious r crumb (laughs) i did i don't See two references that are. Yeah, I don't know them. But it's funny because, you know, I don't really want to know. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about me lately. I was thinking about this because, you know, like sometimes, um, oftentimes, when you and I, if it's you or me or we're in a group of people and there's some information and it's like, what was that thing again or what's that from? You will stop what you're doing, bring the conversation to a halt so that no, you can look it up online. I didn't. Last night we were at a party. And, I don't. I wasn't there for that. But part. I'm telling you, I, I like this thing, yes, that might, might have been Andy at one time. But or maybe, maybe you just do it with me. Or maybe it's just with you. <laughs> maybe just with me. Andy said, but mar- maybe it's married Andy. Maybe this ring wow, on my finger. Okay. But there was a whole conversation of stuff going on where I wasn't like 100% sure of, of what was it. And I'm just like, eh, just let it go past you. 
Well, I was my whole point was gonna say, like, I don't mind not knowing. I said, remember not knowing. Remember when you just said some shit and it was like, well, we'll figure it out eventually. Remember when you didn't know the lyrics of songs and sang them out the top of your lungs loud as hell and wrong? I miss the past. So, you know, me not knowing anything about Star Wars, I said, let it be. Me not getting mm. a reference, let it be. Honey. Okay, boomer. Okay, boomer. That's me. That's what they've been saying. Now, speaking of what people have been saying, we have gotten some fun, bad date yeah. stories in the reviews for the podcast. Keep those coming. They bring us joy. And remember, five-star review. Only. Five-star review and a messy story or an anecdote of a messy human that you cross paths with. Five stars only. I was hooking up with a Scientologist one summer in college. He was a nice guy, but a few weird things happened during our liaison. One morning, I asked if he had anything to eat, like a piece of toast or fruit or something. He reached into his fridge and handed me a raw bulb of fennel with, <laughs> with a totally straight face. Wow. An- another time, I commented that I liked his bike and asked where he got it. He said he found it on the street. I was like, really? Just sitting somewhere with a free sign? And he said, no, locked up. And I was like, so you stole it. You stole a bike. <laughs> oh, snap. Wow. That person feels like almost a character in an indie movie where you would be like, that's a bit excessive. Mm-hmm. Like handing someone a fennel, you'd be like, mm, why don't you just tone it down a notch? And also just someone saying, I found it. Yeah. Meaning you stole it. Yeah. Wes Anderson vibes. Really? But also, yeah, it also does feel Scientological uh-huh. in nature. Uh, Wes Anderson's wow. Amelie. Amelie? Yeah, is that how nice to pronounce that? Amelie. Amelie. It's an I-E at the end. Whatever. <laughs> Why don't you read this one? Okay. This next one. I know the contest is over, but I wanted to share a bad date experience that stuck in my mind. I went on a date with a man who asked me questions like it was an interview, never giving his own answers before quickly moving on to the next question. They were pretty typical. What are your hobbies, favorite foods, favorite cocktail? I was one year out of college, so I couldn't name a drink that had more than two ingredients. Anyway, but then we arrived at the question. If you could wipe one place off the map, Smite it from existence, where would it be? What <laughs> Who comes up with that question in the first place? A psychopath. I said, hmm, I don't think I have enough malice against anywhere to want it smited. And on this question, he piped in with his own answer, which was some small town he had driven through and gotten a speeding ticket. A second date already wasn't on the table, but Lord. And I know this sounds like the aggro attitude of a straight man, but plot twist, this was a gay. Just a very rich white gay whose hobbies were flying planes, sailing boats, and fantasizing about the demise of an entire community who took $70 from him. That's a reasonable ticket, too. Yeah. The, In one, a world where the, 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 the one we got on the way up to solving was like, don't say we, you got it. My name ain't on that ticket. That wasn't my money. But it was four hundred dollars. You're in the. You were in the car. I was speeding for your sake. That was in that one. With that, that one sponsored podcast we did. I know. That State was for Farm. your sake. Okay. Hey, don't give them extra. <laughs> we still haven't gotten the check. <laughs> you be a messy. You be a messy. Uh, all right, let's read. The, okay, one more. What more could you want than Andy and Naomi? My worst date story. A man confessed to me that he had murdered someone with his car <gasps> as a drunk teenager within an hour of meeting him. I Love the pod. Oh, my God. Was it Matthew Broderick? Yeah, wait, oh, no, oh. not a teenager. Not a teenager. Yeah, no, no, no. This is a, this is like a what did you do last summer scenario. That is, 
I know what you did last summer. <laughs> what did you do last summer? No, this is, like, did you do last this is my reboot that I'm doing. <laughs> what you What do? did you do last summer? You killed a guy with your oh. car? Oh my god. That's the full title. That's insane. But at the same time, I do think that's something you bring up very early. Mm-hmm. I think you don't wait till I fall in love with you and you seem great and then you tell me you didn't murder somebody as a teen. I actually would be real mad. So in a way, it's like, sure, do I expect to hear that over appetizers? No. But I should probably know before the check is paid. Don't you think? Don't you think? Wow. Also, though, I need to know how it was said, right? Uh Like, is it someone being like, hey, this is something that I feel terrible and ashamed of and blah, blah, blah. So I'm telling you this, and I understand it may change it. Or is it like, is it like uh, hey, you, you want to get some more nachos? Um, <laughs> that reminds me, uh, you know, because these nachos are buried in uh, in uh, nacho cheese. Uh, I <laughs> hit a man with my car. This is a funny story. I hit a man with my car. Right, 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 right. Buried him in a shallow grave on the side of the road. Wow. Okay. No okay. one. I look. No one asking. No one searching for this dude. So all right, you know, wow. I'm like, I have a life to live. I have a life to live. Wild, wild. Do you know how tough it is to get <laughs> blood out of your car? Uh, check, please. And that's how that, no. that's how that dig goes. Itch, yep, check, please. Do you do that in your stand up a lot? Is that your new catchphrase? Yeah. Mm, uh, check, check, please. please. Mm. But you know what I don't want the check for? <laughs> what this episode? Because we got a banger of a guest. Yeah, All do. right, this was one where I. This is the longest conversation either one of us have had with this person, yes. right? And for it to be recorded and us to be probing, I thought it went very well. Yeah, yeah. I you, thought it was a good time. You had a, you had a stand-up show with them, and you said yes. it, uh, it was very fun. And so we're like, hey, let's invite them on. The the one, the only Caleb Heron, honey, mm-hmm. is our guest. Caleb's mm-hmm. a comedian, an actor, a writer. You've seen him in Jurassic World Dominion. He's written for Human Resources on Netflix. You can see him on Comedy Central. Also... If you happen to be hearing this and you live in Pittsburgh. Oh, my uh, my alma mater. Absolutely. The, tomorrow, Wednesday, March 29th at Bottle Rocket Social Hall. Caleb's got two shows, a 7 and a 9.30. So catch one of those if you happen to be in Pittsburgh and you enjoy this episode. If you happen to be in Pittsburgh, why not go uh, take in a show at the uh, Mr. Roboto Project? No, I've already told them to take in Caleb's show. Yeah. How many shows you want the them taking in? I don't know. Go see go see a punk show at Roboto. Andy be out here trying to just, it's like piggybacking. And I said, no, go to this, okay? Mm-hmm. Go to this. I would never ask you to do more than one thing in a mm-hmm. week. Support the Bandcamp union. Bandcamp? Okay, honey, I'm going to say it. Roll it. Now, Caleb... Just quickly, you know, listeners, you need to know that we've spent about seven minutes trying to work out the audio to get set up for the episode. <laughs> and Caleb, I'm going to tell you this, was like, like, Caleb was like, no, I can fix this. No, I have a backup. Gracious. No, there is a system. Yes. And as you guys know, famously, I like to give up and go to bed very quickly. And so we have to just unpack, Caleb, is that you in life? Are you the kind of person who says, we're going to handle this? I got this under control? I am, look, I, if it was my own thing, like had it been my podcast, I would have said, fuck it, we're going to bed, we'll do this another time. (laughs) But since the alternative was that you guys would have an editing nightmare, what I am is a martyr. And... Well, I am is a hero and savior. And so I said, no, 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 uh-huh. no. I can't have that. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I'm a people pleaser, I think, sometimes. Yeah, I think that's uh, one of the difficulties of doing a podcast where you mostly talk to other comedians and also actors is that we're all people pleasers on some level. 
So there's all this dance of like who is the more um, neurotic, anxious, people pleasy, and then who will who will who, <laughs> who will put up a boundary when yes. it's time? Who will have the strength to say no more? Here's one thing I will tell you. Uh, people who put up boundaries with me are out of their minds because I'm not going to respect it. I do not like when I like the actual practice of putting up a boundary in theory. I'm like, oh, good for you. But when it comes in conflict with what I want, the boundary has to give. <laughs> I'm not going to not have what I want. <laughs> okay, I'm going to need an yeah, example. So that's, yeah. I need a specific example. Here's a great example. My friend Holmes, uh, my best friend, uh, one of my best friends, you know, best friend is a tier, not a designation, but uh, one of my best friends, uh, super, I, I want her to be available to me at all hours because I'm needy. And she sometimes will set a boundary with me and be like, you know, today I'm really not going to be on my phone. I'm going to check in with myself. And I'm like, well, absolutely not. I'll come over. <laughs> I need you to be around because I want you to be. What, is, what are you talking about? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Let, let's deconstruct this slightly. Is this what's the ratio of neediness to ego in this? Uh, how, say more. Like, okay, there are you could be a person. Now you said needy, but like I'm curious if there is more to it. If there is just like no, no, you should be available to me. You said martyr, <laughs> again, you said martyr as a joke, but like you know maybe there's something there. Yeah, yeah, Look, yeah. I've only talked to you for about ten minutes now, so I don't know what's the what's the real Caleb. <laughs> what's the real? I mean, God, I guess if I, I, re, I've really never thought about it that way. I, there's a total possibility that there's ego involved. I wouldn't uh, rule that out. I haven't thought of it in that way, but I think my, for me, if you're a be, if you're in best friend tier, I am always available to you, um, and I, I want that back. But uh-huh. it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable yeah, for people course. to do that. It's not sustainable right. for me to do that. Um, but sure, I get. Yeah, there might be a little bit of ego in like. Um, you don't you don't deny my calls. I'm I'm the guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mark Marin has that one line where he's like he has two best friends, one as the backup for when you drain the main one. So. <laughs> Absolutely, so it's, it's all like, about uh, draining. Well, I like the phrase to um this idea uh this podcast I love called Ask Rana. Rana Glickman. She always says these people have run out of social capital, mm. meaning they have run out of anybody willing to hear them. <laughs> and now have to come to us and what it is to run out of social capital. I was definitely a draining person in high school and college and probably till mid twenties. And then I really took a, I went way backwards and well, except for Andy drain this man dry. Poor I, was, boy. I, was but, gonna, I didn't want to make the joke because I'm like too easy. No, but except for you, but, but actual friends, like I used to be the, the kind of person I was always like, you're my best friend. I have to be around you all the time. And then I was like, Oh, I don't think people like that or it can be expected to do it right because it's like we're all self-centered and we don't have tools especially at that age now i'm yeah. like wolverine i'm i'm because i'm regenerating i have a healing factor you so can you, take can, you, you can take it you can train yes. and then i'll jump on the exercise bike for 40 minutes and then you're like i'm ready I'm like, okay, I'm to back. take in your crazy yeah, again I did, yeah but then <laughs> i found i found myself in my 30s i like don't I don't know. I think there's a part of me that's like, I don't want to bother people so that I don't really let them in. Like, I very recently let Sydney Washington into an emotional layer, and I was really nervous about it because I was like, now she's not going to like me if she realized how deep this darkness goes. Like, I was really afraid. No, I'm going to tell a story about Sydney hurt my feelings once, and I'm going to tell a story, and she she loves this story, so I know that I'm allowed <laughs> to tell it. But Sydney, Sid, Sid moved to L.A., 
And and had been in LA for a minute, and we had been hanging out, and and then I happened to be in New York, uh, and she was going back to do the last of their show at the Knitting Factory, and she asked if I would come and do it, and I felt so like grateful to to do it, and she gets on stage and and does like a ten minutes on how everybody in LA is fake and there's no good food. Now, <laughs> now, now, mind you, about two weeks prior to that. I had taken Sydney to some of the best barbecue in LA, paid for the meal, and then drove her home from West Hollywood to the Valley. Wow. People's mothers wouldn't do that for them. <laughs> and I and I got on stage and I said, Sydney Washington, you are one of the fakest fucking people I have ever. <laughs> How dare you slander my name in front of this audience? But yeah, I, I love Sid. She's the best. Oh my God, that's so funny. Well, here's the thing though. You're not from L.A., so she probably wasn't including that. You know, you've got you're you're from the heartland of America. You're from real America, Caleb. I'm a real I'm a real American. Yeah, you're not a coastal elite. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I totally know what she meant. And also, we all know that whatever narrative works best for the stage is the one we're going to run with. But uh, yeah, I, I wanted I wanted my props. I wanted my oh, my ego. Absolutely. I wanted my ego. To you guys, this is but to both of you, you're both stand up, so. I am very curious. I always felt weird about portraying any bit of myself as exaggerated. I can play a character that's exaggerated or I can write a character right. that's exaggerated or whatever, right? But when it came to myself uh, – and I like wrote a joke on Twitter the other day where I kind of exaggerated a real-life thing that happened to me. And, it, and people responded to it. I'm like, why are you responding to that? That's, that's fake. This is not real. But you mm. live your lives in some way on these two levels. How do you keep them from not crossing over into each other? They do cross over into each other. I'm very dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you kidding? Like, you know the difference. But it's funny because this is something I think, Andy, I know you and I butt up against. Because you are, you're a little more factual. You like things to be, whereas like I am playing with language. It's all a game. These words are not real. Use them however you want. And you will be really particular about the characterization about something. And I'm like, babe, I'm a performer. I'm a performer. Like, yeah, about <laughs> something true. I think that was the, uh, my problem was uh, uh, going to grad school for philosophy. And that spending was your so problem. much time dissecting what the meaning of truth is. And now I'm stuck somewhere. Yeah, and it's that. like, who cares? Have fun with it. Which one sounds better? <laughs> it's so it's so funny that you say that because I was just at dinner with a friend uh, who is a doctor of philosophy the other day, and he, I, I said, you know, I'll say things all the time that I don't even mean. I'll just be like, oh, if you wear white sneakers after Labor Day, you should go to hell. You know, well, I'll just say <laughs> things well, I don't I even mean that. because they it's should be executed, yeah, <laughs> right, publicly and swiftly. But I. <laughs> I, you know, I'll just say, I'll just make up rules because I'm bored and, and this friend of mine will, he'll be like, that's really interesting. I mean, you could come at it from, a, I'm like, shut, stop it. <laughs> this is not, this is not Emmanuel Kant, bitch. I'm at dinner. Like, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> Absolutely. That's so funny. Now, I wanted to ask you though, because Andy was joking about you growing up in America's heartland, but you grew up religious and I'm curious about how much of that stays with you whether you practice or not you know what i mean like even if you're like i don't fuck with the church you also still have that kind of in your blood from growing up right literally yeah we had uh the blood of christ <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> the blood me? of christ is within me <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that's the where the martyrdom comes from uh <laughs> no i mean yeah it, i you know it was an interesting thing where like i grew up in very rural missouri around a bunch of extremely religious uh white 
evangelicals, which is a particular type of uh, religious person, obviously. Uh, but my mom was not did not make us go to church. She was working multiple jobs and was a single mother. So I I put myself in church, which is so. Imp- I was like, all my friends are going to church. I should be doing this. And my mom was like, okay, if you like, she was kind of like loser, you know. Like, <laughs> So I put myself in the church because everyone was kind of doing it. And yeah, it was obviously extremely damaging and has stuck with me in many ways. But I think, you know, whether I like it or not, there's probably a level of how much I value community and taking care of people that is somehow a result of those experiences, even though it was made pretty clear to me that uh, gay people were not a part of that community most of the time. Um, Yeah, it's definitely, I think there's definitely... I struggle when I think about having kids with what I will do to teach them the things I learned in the church without putting them through the church. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's not impossible. I know that there are ways to do it all. You know, there's Unitarian Universalists and there's, there's, there's just values that you have to be specific about. But a lot of who I am is based in, uh, yeah, those things that I don't, don't like. Yeah. Okay, can we pick a little bit at this the self-inflicted church thing? <laughs> oh God, I would love to. <laughs> I, I drafted myself into the war of Christianity. <laughs> really That's right. Yeah, right. You really did. Right. You, right. Uh, yeah, your own crusades. But like, that's interesting to me because everything I know about the church seems to be in the 21st century negative. Like, there are, obviously, you said, especially evangelical, the mm-hmm. evangelical end of it. Like, what are we talking? Are we talking the, like, prosperity gospel evangelicals? Are we talking the kind of daddy-daughter weird shit? <laughs> daddy-daughter. Evangelicals. <laughs> or is it just, yeah. like, just Pentecostal kind of stuff? Like, where where are we on the spectrum here? A mix, yeah. I mean, mostly non-denominational, a little bit of Baptist. Uh, we moved around a lot, uh, so I went to different churches, but... Um, yeah, non-denominational Baptist, definitely some prosperity gospel, uh, you know, your typical, like, you know, uh, people in the community considered to be super upright and righteous, you know, cheating on their spouses at the same time as they're taking the collections, all, all the stuff you would expect, but I 100% know where it comes from and you're right to pull on it, uh, because it's embarrassing as hell. But, um, you know, my brother, my older brother was, a. uh, just like always in trouble at school and with the cops and was like a bad kid objectively. And I felt like I had to be perfect for my mom because she had enough problems already. And so all the, you know, it was like all the good kids go to church. So I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to be the perfect kid. Not only because my mom is kind of going through hell, but also because I'm, you know, I was like, I'm secretly gay. So that's going to be, I basically need to build up all these points so that when I cash them in on the gay stuff, (laughs) you know, I'll break even. (laughs) Uh 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 Wow. Honestly, this is a good plan in a way. You were like, well, if everything else is on point, (laughs) it's not uninformed. Fine. I guess you had to do something sometime right yes let's talk a little dick who cares (laughs) yeah i think it was it was i I never worried about my actually any of my family coming out i was not worried about most of my family worrying about it they were all kind of like i describe it a lot as like one time my uncle said people were talking about uh homosexuals at a family (laughs) gathering and my uncle was like, man, faggots don't bother nobody. Leave them alone. And I was like, we'll take it. You know, <laughs> I was like, hey, look, you know, that's that's the, half the battle is won. Um, 
But I think, yeah, I was just like, I, I just felt like, oh man, that's going to be kind of a stain on her record with the everyone else. I need to like, you know, win some spelling bees. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. So you weren't like, look, I know it was a joke, but still, but the martyr thing. Yes. There is a, yes. There yes. Is a little it's in bit there. of that there. It's yeah. in there. Sure. Yeah. You're taking that hit. But you're like, it's like, um. Like gold belly martyr. Like, you know, what? when you order, we've, I've been ordering bagels and stuff <laughs> on gold belly or like for my parent. Oh, my God. <laughs> After a certain point, you don't know what to get your parents. So just order them like my parents are from New York. So I just order them deli from gold belly. Right. They don't live in New York now. By the way, we're not sponsored sponsored by Goldbelly. I don't don't care. I thought it was a nice, subtle way to bring it up. Just be like, so Goldbelly martyred him. But but what I'm saying is, every time you order something, you get points that you can cash in later to get like free bagels or something like that. Right, right. So this is what I meant by Goldbelly. You can also do Nintendo Switch martyr. You also get points for buying a Nintendo (laughs) Switch game cash in later. When when you're like, should I buy Metroid Prime again? Now for the switch, yeah. I already paid for it ten years ago when Andy, it was. Out. I don't like this metaphor. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Listeners, listeners, may, Naomi may not be into it. Caleb may be politely laughing, but I need I need, I'm here. I need you to back me up. <laughs> I'm here for it. Let's go. Keep it running. I don't know what the hell games? we're talking about. Do you play video no. games? Okay. Not- not the, I mean, I've I've played some video games, but I have no idea. When you start talking about Nintendo and packages, I'm like, I'm out. I'm, okay. but I'm so I'm graciously, I'll go on the journey, but I don't know what's going on. That's beautiful. I don't even really want to talk about it. It was, <laughs> it was, I was searching for a different metaphor. Okay, I was trying to like shore it up. But I guess my point was is that you saw you like it saw was, into the future, right? It wasn't like I'm gonna just feel terrible. It was like I'm gonna be a martyr because I know on the other end of this. It's going to buy me everybody leaving me to fuck alone. And that's yeah. what you have to kind of do, which is, yes, it's like less martyrdom and more, again, calculating. And to know that oh, early. Okay, again, here we go with the ego again, calculating. Okay, Andy, but here's, what <laughs> here's what, but what you what? said, though, about everybody else doing it. Like, that is also the part I get. And we had um, Jen Tullock on, an actor who grew up in Kentucky and also was kind of in the religious it was like, well, that's what you did, and that's where the socializing was. Yeah. And how she would sneak away to do theater, and she would always say that, what did she say she was doing? She was basically like, she would go to do theater and like secular like community theater, and she'd be like, I'm preaching to everybody. And her parents would like let her go if, <laughs> if she was like, I'm preaching. And, it, and they were like, okay, sure, we'll allow it, I guess. But this idea of doing what is popular for the sake of, as you see, you know, to have people to have people because also too like your mama is working a lot your brother doing lord knows what you probably also just needed some people to hang out with look if 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 everybody on wednesday night if everybody i knew was doing pottery i would have been throwing clay you know what i mean but it, mm-hmm. it everyone was at the church and also when i really got into church was when we um started going to there was a town that we moved to that had a church that had like it was one of those super new age, like they had a coffee shop and they gave out, uh, they would have these like attendance drives where they'd be like, if you guys bring 50 more kids from the surrounding towns to youth group next week, we're going to give out three iPad mini or iPod minis. Like yeah, they would do like drawings and they would have like, they made the service funny. They would play like clips from the office, which like as a middle scorer was like, oh my God, we're not supposed to be having fun. You know, it was like, it was, yeah, it was, it was definitely a social hour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had its, it has its, its fun to it. Um, but now with all of this, because as you know, people are gonna, you know, we're gonna be answering people's questions about relationships, you know, platonic mm-hmm. and romantic. But I'm curious, you know, uh, 
when did you start dating and sort of <laughs> when it comes to dating and stuff I'll tell you I'll tell you this because I like I like to tell people what I think of them and then they just have to respond or say what (laughs) (laughs) I think of you as someone for some reason again this is solely based on like your tweets and like seeing you on stage from afar you strike me as someone who doesn't suffer fools and I would imagine that when it comes to dating you would really not have time for a lot of hoes like you would think a lot of people were stupid (laughs) or is Naomi just projecting onto you (laughs) <laughs> no, you nailed it. I, I really, it's, I think, a, I, I actually, it's a, I think that you put it in a way that seems very flattering, but I think I'm very quick to dismiss uh, romantically. I, I just, yeah, I have, I have great friends in my life and I feel very fulfilled by that. And I think, um, you know, my parent, my mom and I talk all the time now about how she and my dad fucked me up from two different angles. My mom dated everybody. My dad didn't date anybody. <laughs> and so I've just seen how bad it all can be. And I'm, yeah, I don't really I'll date people for a little bit and then you know, they'll annoy me or I in my early 20s I uh sabotage things because I was scared of commitment and I've I am moving out of that uh and I recognize when I want to do it and then I don't. It's still not working out though. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where we're headed, but I think yeah, I don't I just feel like it's also as a gay man, like obviously you have grinders so like there's this kind of what I think is uh, I'm super everyone f- please fuck have sex do your thing but I think it's a little bit of for me a dangerous cycle where like all of my deep fulfillment comes from these like intense friendships that I have that my parents did not really have mm-hmm. uh, this number and this level of friendship and then I just go have casual sex with someone that I don't need to like keep up with and so it's uh-huh. all kind of working out but then it's not you know <laughs> you know what I mean it's like I want more than that but here we are mm-hmm. When you say sabotage, was it a conscious thing or was it an unconscious thing? Well, it was unconscious for, I would say, you know, I started, uh, I came out when I publicly, when I was um, my freshman year of college. So since then I've been uh, trying to date men and it was unconscious at first. It would be like, I would go on two or three dates with a really great guy who was like cute and sweet and kind of wants the same things that I do and is funny and smart and all the things. And then I would be like, why does he fucking chew so weird at dinner? This is insane. (laughs) (laughs) And it would be like, you know, and only now I look back and go, God, you're so ill. You know what I mean? (laughs) Uh But but then you realize the pattern and, you know, you start to talk to friends too. And and they start to hear, you know, for the seventh time you're breaking up with someone because they wear, uh, you know, a sweater when it's too nice out, you think. And you're like, (laughs) You know, they start to go, you might be extremely sick. And (laughs) Uh it comes to consciousness. Uh Internalize Seinfeld, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just the goofiest shit. Uh Now, you know, you talked about obviously your friends and your relationships. And um, it seems like, you know, you do, you are open with your friends. You are using them for the emotional real and saying like, let's talk through this or I'm going through something. Do you have any therapy in your life? Or is it just the friends, and you need you owe them all a copay? Oh, my, my friends are owed and receive copay. Um, <laughs> I think I I I, don't, I mean I don't think I was in therapy for a number of years and worked through a lot of uh, big things that were going on in my life at the time. In college, I was like you know, college everybody gets a little suicidal and, and mad at their father. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a it's a casual thing that we all yeah. go through. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I worked through a lot of that. And then that therapist, I felt like we had really, excuse me, kind of run our 
course and that I was a different person now and that she knew me as this old person. And so it felt like time to go. And I haven't been in therapy in a minute, but I, I need to go back. It just, it's one of those things that I'm like, I recognize that it would be good for me. I really should get on that. And it's just like 17th on the list of 2000 things I need to do every week. And then I just don't get around to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Do you think you relate to your parents differently post therapy than you did before? And is it difficult? I guess what I'm really asking, is it difficult to relate to them? Or unless Caleb they've got- was talking to his mom and she said she and dad fucked him up two different ways. That's a good relationship. Did, wait, did your mom say that, or did I thought you just mentioned you just like thought that we that. agree? She and, oh, she okay. and I are aligned on that. I no, I I definitely think that I have uh, the biggest part of therapy for me with parent stuff was coming to forgive my dad. My dad was an extremely absent, um, very mentally ill person who was a shut in and a hoarder, and like he had a lot of stuff going on. And I am lucky to have gone to therapy young enough that I before he passed came to a very a uh, good understanding with him that like you didn't want to be a parent. It kind of just happened to you. And I don't want to have a dad who doesn't want to be around. So here we both are in this situation where it'd be great if you didn't have to have a kid and it'd be awesome if I had a dad who knew how to be a father, <laughs> you know, but here we both are. And I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't mad at him anymore. I really through therapy was able to work through. Like I feel a lot of empathy for you, dude. And I love you. And I understand your shortcomings. My mom is a lot easier because she's a person who, my mom is extremely receptive to notes. She'll be the first person. I'll be like, hey, uh, I've been really reflecting on this thing you did for an entire year of my life when I was like 14 and it really messed me up in this way. And she'll be like, yeah, we should talk about that because I, f- I feel like I fucked that up. <laughs> and I'm like... Always like that. Like meaning when you were younger, could you also talk? Or has something happened to shift her? And how can we shift our parents? And can she be our mother? That too, but I was going to have her call him. I said, why don't she call up? Because I think she and my mother could talk single mother to single mother. Maybe she could open her up a little bit. Even though your mother is white. I think my mother might be receptive if she's known the struggle. Yeah, let's get get them on the phone. (laughs) No, I mean, my mom, we had a... My mom and I have always had a pretty close and good relationship. uh, But there was a while where her anxiety was so bad that we just had this couple of years when I was a teenager where I was a teenager, so already like hard for a parent. And then she had this untreated anxiety that was making her kind of really difficult to be around and she got yeah she went to therapy and got medication and it really kind of changed everything for her in a way that was needed yeah wow i know that's huge that's huge it also it helps that she's a nurse i think that's Uh a big she 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 realized like oh there's a chemical imbalance going on i should i should address this well but it's also like you know not just that right her believing in science but there is obviously she's she's chosen and kept a profession where she's of service and takes care of people right and then is like okay now what do i do to take care of the people at home and take care of myself because it would be very easy to just forget about yourself and just be focused on you know like i know if i took care of people all day I would just come home with a milkshake and say, leave me alone. I have nothing to say. I kept people alive. What you want from me? It would be easy to just shut off. Well, it's so funny that you say that because we, one of the biggest fights, and I think it was a huge breakthrough for us uh, that we ever had was when I was like 16, you know, she's uh, a nurse and she is like super, she got into it because uh, her mom died young when she, uh, when she, her mom died when she was young of cancer and the nurses really took care of her. And so like, she really goes to work every day with this like weight of the world on her shoulders and 
So she was coming home every day, just like you said, being exhausted and kind of like, I need, you know, I need to be left alone a little bit. And then I was out, you know, at school trying to get like straight A's and make every teacher love me and doing all this. And I was coming home and we had this big argument where she was like, I don't understand why uh, your teachers and everyone in the community gets the best version of you. And I get this version where you're like snotty and mean and don't do what I ask you to. And I'm like, same girl. I don't understand why your patients get like this thing. You know, you go, you talk about your patients like they're the best thing on earth. And then you come home and yell at me because the chicken's not thawed. It's like, can we get a grip? So that was a real breakthrough for us that we, I think both were suffering from this. Like, I didn't understand really the depth of it when I was 16, obviously, because I was a child. But I look back and go, oh, we actually both were really tapping into something that needed to be said at that time. Right, right. But she's able to take notes. That's the difference. Uh And I think that is inherent to a personality. I don't think you can make somebody able to take notes. I really don't. I think they either are the kind yeah. of person who's receptive or they're not. And they can fight against it and work with it, but I think they will still there will still be that defensiveness. You know what I mean? I hold on. I, I disagree. I was a person who who couldn't take notes. And while I'm still a person who has difficulty taking notes, <laughs> difficulty it is so much better than when I was younger. Naomi. Well, yes, but you said still has difficulty. And that's what I mean. Like, it is something you have to work on and you do work, but it's not, um, you know, you need to take that beat. You need to walk away and then be like, okay, you know what? I hear what you said. Whereas, and I think about what that means for a teenager and for a child. Because I've been, I don't know, I'm following this white woman on Instagram. She a doctor. (laughs) She be doing threads about letting go and forgiving boundaries and shit. And I'd be like, okay, yes, you are right. But one of the things she was talking about too was like, you know, look at your parents as humans and look at how they regulate their emotions and look at how they, you know, because basically see how your parents react when other things don't go their way that has nothing to do with you. And then you'll realize, Oh, this wasn't about you. This is just how they handle (laughs) negativity or pushback or anything. And it's like, Oh, and that's just a personality that you can't, it just is what it is. And it's frustrating as it may be. It's like that, that was their map and that's that personality regardless and to me it's like very nice that you had a parent who could hear you because i think when you grow up with a parent one or both who don't hear you that's when you get become a problematic adult because you never learned that like what you thought or felt was okay so then you find other ways to deal with it and you know what i'm saying i don't know i'm on a journey i'm I'm on it with you babe i think that yeah the my mom made a ton of mistakes as a parent, as parents are going to do. But the biggest thing that she offered was, yeah, communication. I, I remember when I was in high school that like all my friends, conservative parents were being like, if I ever find out you're smoking or drinking weed, you're dead. It's the end of, you know, no car, no uh, whatever, whatever. And when I asked my mom about uh, like weed, I was like, have you ever smoked weed? She was like, yeah, one time made me really sleepy and really hungry. I didn't really enjoy it. And if you ever do it, I please just call me. Don't drive. Like it was a, my mom was not a, like, I'd rather you do it at the house, mom. She wasn't cool, (laughs) but, but she was like, yeah, if you get super drunk at a party, I'm going to be a little upset, but like, we will deal with that in a constructive way later. I want you to call me and you won't be in trouble for getting drunk. We'll just have to have a discussion about how we keep you from, you know, being in the middle of nowhere, um, with your car and full of alcohol. But I think, yeah, the, the communication and the ability to talk to me, like, I'm a human being who's going to make decisions that aren't based in a fear of her yes. is something that a lot of parents don't 
and get right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it's but then it's what's funny though is because okay, so you've got this where like yes, of course, as you said, all these mistakes. We're not saying that like it was a perfect childhood in rural Missouri, but <laughs> <laughs> like we're not saying that. But then it, I think it's funny that. There was an openness there. And again, you feeling like I wasn't afraid to come out to my family. But then at the same time, when it comes to you on your own relationship and romantic journey, you're not giving that openness out. Damn it. Well, well, hold, well, hold on a minute. <laughs> tell me, tell now, me, tell me. Now, hold on a minute. What, what is this podcast? Because I thought we were going to have fun and... <laughs> No, you're oh, yeah, you're 100. Yeah. Well, it's called couples therapy, but really, it's a psychological deconstruction. <laughs> it's, no, it's, no. Uh, we re- we really hope to like turn your life into the he- hedge maze from The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Look, you're right. Look, there's I, romance is a, a an area of my life that I am like really working on now. I feel like when when I was 22 and moved to Chicago after college to like start doing comedy. I was just like, it was all comedy. I was just like anything to get up, anything to like make $12 so I can have McDonald's for dinner. Like just (laughs) truly so like trying to be a comedian. And now I'm like, I don't even know if I want, I'm like, I'm a comedian. I'm about to move home and open a bookstore. You know what I mean? I'm like, what was this all for? But I think, yeah, I'm definitely thinking of it differently now. And I have, I think, also was a very mature kid, took care of my parents a lot yeah. emotionally. And I think now I'm trying to, I think it, I'm trying to like be more open to the idea that I need someone in my life uh, rather than having to do everything myself. That's the thing with the relationships that come up, comes up a lot. I go, well, I can do everything. What do yeah. you, what, why would I have you around? You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I'm not, trust me, I'm not somebody who's like, everyone should be in love. Are you okay? You're single. Are you okay? It's more that because you, you're just such a catch to me and you're so open Ooh. that I'm like, that's very interesting to me because it does uh-huh. feel like it's an actual choice, but a choice like, to be like, yeah. if you had been like a soulless right. person who was just here pursuing the pursuing fame for fame's sake or something like that, <laughs> then we could be like, yeah, sure. This all makes sense. But <laughs> you don't seem to be that person. Yeah. There's this emotion, emotionality to you. There is a depth there where I'm like, Oh, okay. So you're just like, yeah. I'm like, it's interesting that this is that one section. That's why. It's trust me. I believe you are the freest you'll ever be, and you should continue <laughs> to feel free and go to Paris <laughs> on holiday <laughs> with Dory Reed. Okay, that's the best. But- no, no, I totally. You're. It, it's 100 percent true, and it's yeah. I don't think everyone needs. I personally want. I am. I. I mean, I'm open to not feeling this way. Right now, I feel that I'm a monogamous person uh, and I'm interested in monogamy. I want, like, kids. I massively want kids and a family. And, like, um, yeah, so it's something that I need to work on to get what I want. It's not that I have to have it because that's what people have to have. It's that it is something I want and it's not working out. (laughs) It's it's not going well. And I will say, if you're looking for eligible, down-to-earth gay men to build a life with, Los Angeles is not... It's not the place, love. It's it's not. It's just a lot of the gay men out here are, you know, need to serve some time in jail. And <laughs> <laughs> whether we like it or not, that's that's how it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. To really humble them. To humble them. And, uh, yeah, to get them off the streets. Because <laughs> <Okay>. it's, <laughs> it's all of it. I mean, sure, there's lessons to be learned, but let's get them out of the population because they're doing things that on Instagram and Twitter that shouldn't even be yeah I can't gay men are 
I wish I was into women. I really have started trying again. I'm like, maybe I, maybe I took it off the table too soon. <laughs> well, we on the show are not. Uh, we are we are for prison abolition, but maybe there can be like an island or something where you can send. Yeah, or you know, it doesn't have to be. I also am for prison abolition, but I think maybe maybe we just it's still prison, but we call it something different. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just for this one specific cause, because it would mean a lot to me. <laughs> it can be like a club med or something like that. Like, a- yes, yes, yes. But you yeah. don't want to create too much. Of, they don't, you don't want them creating too much community and then making plans because that defeats the purpose. Yeah. And you can't put them together because, you know, they're going to come up with all kinds of opinions and routines and yeah, it's just not going to work. <laughs> You know what? I think this is a perfect time to take a break because now I feel like we do know Caleb and we do know his plans and now we can help answer some of your questions. Okay, we'll be right back after this. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And we're back, honey, here with Caleb here and here to help you handle your scandal. Okay. Caleb said when he was 16, mama, same bitch. So that's the kind of openness and honesty. Caleb is going to be bringing the answer to your questions, okay? Because if he can talk to his mama on the real, he can help you with your situation. That's not that deep. All right. We get questions from all over Gmail, Twitter, Instagram, voicemail. This first one, Naomi, is it? We we have a surplus. We've been doing a little too many voicemails. We have okay. a surplus of written. written. Okay. No, I, look, we, look, I love when they're coming to us with an open heart, no mm. matter where it comes from. Mm. So I'll take it from Gmail. Do you want to read this one? This comes to us from Nate. Okay, On Gmail. Okay. Hi, Andy and Naomi and delightful guest. That's Caleb. I love your podcast and the way you're both and the way you're both insightful, excellent listeners and empathetic. Your advice is always spot on, in my opinion. Thank you so much. Just a few background details on myself. I have diagnosed OCD and five years ago, I was in a nine year relationship where my boyfriend was verbally and sometimes physically abusive, always when drinking. Jesus. 
I am a 39-year-old gay man in a committed relationship for two years with my slightly younger boyfriend. We initially met on a dating app and went on our first date a few weeks later. The one and a half hours we were at the zoo on our date, I was asking most, if not all of the questions with little questioning from him. After the <laughs> date... shaking his head back. After the date, I felt empty and depleted, but he felt invigorated and excited to meet again because he felt I was really listening to him. Drained, because you were drained. Exactly, he drained you. <laughs> it's like, what? Okay. He was Lestat. Fast forward two and a half years. Did I get that reference? No, that right? was very good. Okay, interview with a vampire. Fast forward two and a half years, and throughout the couple of years, I have expressed my need for him to ask more questions. Two and a half. To fully sit in my experiences for a minute and reflect on what I'm saying. This makes me feel very connected. He always meets my needs by asking me more questions and with genuine curiosity. He says it's difficult for him to focus because, because of his diagnosed ADD. Mm. Also, I have learned he was reprimanded for asking questions as a t- child. My fear is that he is narcissistic. <laughs> Can you write now? My fear is that he is narcissistic as he will mostly relate his own experiences back to himself. I think you mean my own. Anyway, as a way of showing that he is listening. Is it wrong for me to prompt him as I've done these past few years? Is this the same as trying to change someone? Hmm. We both love each other very much. He was there when I've been sick, when my dog passed away. He cooks for me, has the same values, buys meaningful gifts, shows true affection, etc. What do you define as an unhealthy relationship in terms of communication? Is the fact that he meets my needs a good thing? Thank you for answering my questions if you do decide to answer. I'm sensitive to feedback, but I trust both of you. Love you both, Nate. Okay, so mm. we heard at the end, been there when I'm sick, dog passed away, you know, good partner, except for this inability to ask questions and listen to him. He's saying, you know, he's like, sit in my experiences for a minute, reflect on what I'm saying. What do we think, Caleb? Well, it gets so, co- okay, here's, at first I'm like, first date where someone doesn't ask questions from, and look, maybe this is my problem. If we go on a first date and you don't ask me questions, we are never fucking talking again. Right. I, yep. Ever. Right. Yep. That is the job of the first date, bitch. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. then to say, you know, we've been, and I also have some issues around like, oh, he was reprimanded as a child. It, grow up. I, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> but at a certain point, it's like... People do this into their 30s and 40s talking about, oh, I, when I was a kid, I, it was a, it was illegal to eat snacks in my house. Shut up. Like, you got to grow up and get past it. But I now they've been together for a couple of years and he meets all your needs and just doesn't ask questions. Part of me is like, uh, maybe you're asking for too much. <laughs> uh, maybe you're asking for a little too much. I don't know. I, but maybe you're well, not. Well, this, Ooh, is the, okay. well, this is the thing. Is my first thing, I was surprised because I was like, wait, you've been through this for two and a half years? Right? Like, I was like, you went through two and a half years of somebody who just sitting there dead-eyed while you're talking or just or, or but just, everything like, else is going well he loves yeah. you he treats you well well because i'm like well that's how you make it's it like, two and hey, a half you years. want risotto for dinner <laughs> right but, but <laughs> he's like but like also like when you tell someone a story and they're like he's like yes that's just like that time i had this situation and he's like i would like to not uh-huh. talk about mm. you that's that's uh-huh. another thing but i'm like so that so that to me is the, maybe they're an interviewer for a living and the so person just, who's writing a date? You mean? No, no, no. The, oh, the their boyfriend. Partner, the Nate's boyfriend, boyfriend <laughs> is an interviewer. And so either they, they're drained by their job or that's, look, sometimes when you have, no. a, not Caleb, but sometimes when you have like no. a tight-lipped guest, you talk about your own experiences to make them feel comfortable opening up themselves. Correct. Okay. 
So maybe every so maybe uh, Nate's boyfriend is just used to that. Look, none of this is true. I'm just coming up with possibilities. Okay, I love it. I love it. I know because well because this is the thing is well but here okay but let's say for the, with the question is it wrong for me to prompt him as I've done these past few years? Is this the same as trying to change someone? So let's let me focus on that part of the question because you said you were sensitive to feedback. So I want to be mindful. I don't want to be too glib because you're a delicate baby boy, Nate. But I think that. In any relationship, there's going to be some changing because you are adjusting to a new person and their wants and needs in your life. Because it's if like you want to, if you want to, but like it's always an adjustment. Like even when you like somebody, it's like, oh, you in my bed now, or like, oh, we have to, you know, there's always like a thing. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like for the intransigent, if Nate's an, if Nate's <laughs> boyfriend is an intransigent person, they're never going. You know, they might be incapable of changing. Period. Right. So I'm just right. saying that like it doesn't always. I said. I, I the universal of that uh, bumped me a little bit. I know, but I think that here I'll go back to yeah, go question. find it for me. But I just, I just I think it like the question is, do you mind having to prompt him? On one hand, again, it's been two and a half years, so you must be willing to deal with it. It can't be that bad if you've made it this long. Yeah. Also, a question I have. Uh, first of all, the. The way that the 14 years ago abusive X plays into it is a very personal thing that I wouldn't, I, I can't understand for you. But when we say that the partner is younger, I'm wondering how much younger. Because if you're 39 and we're talking about somebody who, because did they give an age of the partner? They just said slightly, slightly younger. So I'm like 39, 35, 39, well, 30. I, I'm sorry to say. Slightly. I know, 30 is different. So yeah, maybe. And, and I'm sorry to say you can't ever trust a slightly with gay men. <laughs> because when it comes to ages, gay men will be like, he's a little younger, he's 20. So I'm like, are you, are you trying to force something that's just not natural? Like, you know, you're not going to get like a super, I would love to know the age of the person and where they're at in life because also 30 is far different. 30 to 39 is like, yeah, they might yeah. not be feeling the same way about this that you are. Right, right. Well, and certainly where, you know, narcissism falls, right? Like certainly again, if it's 25, oh yeah, of course he just talking about himself. <laughs> That's just what you did. Yeah. I think, Caleb, though, you bring up an interesting point. Um, I know people who have uh, dated terrible people and then the next person they date is just slightly less terrible than the last one. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, this person's amazing. So maybe because they had been, Nate had been in a awful relationship prior to this new person, to uh, the, the non-questioner. I don't know what to call them. Mm-hmm. What are we calling them? I'm calling them the narcissist. Que- uh, the narcissist. It's <laughs> <laughs> fine. You're really making a bold declaration. It's fine. I'm one too. Like, it's like, that's just a yeah. I get it. I don't know if I would call you a narcissist, but... I, I can I can lean in if I want. Yeah, to. yeah, you got narcissistic tendencies. I can lean oh. in. I wouldn't say that's your main. No, no, I don't think right. so. That's no, why no. you know. No. That's why people like me ish. <laughs> ish. People love you. I guess what I would say to Nate is only you can decide what's going on here. But you, I, I guess something that I'm feeling about the situation is you don't just you don't just deserve better than awful. You deserve great, right. unequivocally. And so, you know, if this doesn't feel great. Including the context, even in the question, to me feels a little bit like maybe you think that you should be grateful for this because it's not, you know, the abusive situation you were in before. And also, maybe I'm fully inventing that. I don't, Nate. You can give me a call. We can talk about it. But I think, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. the The idea that you you should be happy with something that's better than awful, even though it's not great, I think is not to me doesn't feel correct. If that's what's right. going on, right, 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 right. Of course, I agree. Of course, I think so. I think, but I think it's also, yeah. I think it's like it's on you. Like how, 
draining is it for you to uh, be with somebody who's not listening? How much work does it feel like it is when you're like, hi, I would like you to listen to me now. You know, if, if that is if that is not feeling natural, if that's not feeling comfortable, if you're still feeling frustrated, that's not something you should have to withstand for a long time. Because yeah. I think you can find someone who will cook and buy you meaningful gifts. You, I think you can find that. And along with, you know, tell me about you. Tell me how your day was. Give me the follow up. What happened with Brenda in accounting? Like you, you, are, you can have, you can find that. You do that. not want to hear about what Brenda in accounting did today. Yes, I do, because I love you. Oh my! You God. can yell about Brenda. She <laughs> cooked cod in the microwave. In the cod, cod. You- a, full, a full cod. Head on. Do you know yeah. what is absolutely <laughs> sick about me? Is in the moment where Naomi was talking just now, after I had said you deserve great and not just better than awful. I literally, I went, I went into my own head and I said. You might have just changed this guy's life. <laughs> I imagined him listening to me saying that and going, wow, that was exactly what I needed to hear to do what needs to be done. Like, I literally started fantasizing about this podcast changing his life and him, like, thanking me later. In, in like, <laughs> 10 years, he finds me at a coffee shop and says, what you said on that podcast really changed everything. Like, that's sick, right? Well, Naomi did ask you how much of the church has stayed with you. <laughs> And that to me is, is That's example. It. There's illustrated before us how much of the of the church is there, and it's there. Yeah, I guess here's my thing with with the whether the narcissist, as Naomi is calling him, whether he's worth it or not, is is this a minor part of the relationship that's just kind of nagging at you, or is it present all the time? And you feel it in every interaction. Because if not, then I would say lean on some friends a little more. But for, if it's for there, talking about your feelings, and right? Stuff. Yeah, but yeah, if yeah. it's there, deforming space time like a singularity, <laughs> then maybe, <laughs> <laughs> then maybe it it that it, everyone uh, else, uh, Caleb and Naomi, are correct. Um, I also think you know you, have, you that relationship you were in before. You know, needless to say what was hurtful it was up it was painful you know emotionally physically it's also upended you and i think a lot of times when we are in bad relationships and i and that's i say bad because i know it's a vague word but it's a big umbrella because it covers a lot of these things it can make you not trust yourself when you're in a bad thing it does make you think okay how did i get here what did i do to quote unquote deserve this which no one does Mm -hmm. it makes you question yourself Mm. and it makes you think do i not know what's good for me and so that could also be at play here this feeling in general about a person of like okay am i missing something is this a flag is this going to be bad later what is you know because i'm i'm sure the person you were with did not start out hurting you so it was Wait, the, the old the person initial, or the yeah, narcissist, the old, the old, the relationship that five that ended five uh-huh. years ago. So you may be feeling like, okay, is this bad? Does this mean this is really bad? Is this worse than it is? And, you right. Know, so, it, so, and that, and that's, you know, that's part of you trying to protect yourself and trying to make sure that, you know, you never have to go through something like that again. And I think that, you know, you said you have diagnosed OCD. So I'm assuming if it's diagnosed, there is a doctor in your life. And I think this is something to also bring to them too the conversation around this, just so you can kind of get clear. Because again, your boundaries were demolished by your previous partner for a long period of time. Yeah. And so now you're trying to figure out, 
okay, what is what is right and what is right for me and what is not? And I think, you know, those are worthwhile questions. Don't not ask that. But that's also at play in you assessing, am I trying to change this person? Is that, Are they a bad person? Are they right for me? Uh-huh. That's I think that's to me is, you know, again, when you give us the backstory, I'm using, I'm using the information you provided, Nate. Okay, I'm analyzing the text. I wonder, too, <laughs> if the OCD plays into this. If your refusal to break up with the narcissist is well, what bad thing is going to happen if I do this? Like everything. Well, we is, don't know how it manifests. Now that's getting well, that into doctor territory. But I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Grade. Maybe, maybe look at that too. If yes. that's part of it, or yes. if that is, if that is the entirety of it. I have friends who have severe OCD, and it's a, uh, it's a huge problem in their lives with things like that. Right, right, right. It stops them from making changes, mm-hmm. but. Nate, I do want you to follow up with us. If Caleb has changed your life, please DM him on Instagram mm-hmm. and let him know because I think that will help him. Yeah, this will help. And Caleb. well, maybe not. Maybe that'll maybe that'll just fuel your own narcissistic fire. Caleb. My God complex. Yeah, I just also <laughs> want to say, speaking of God, I serve an awesome God because right after I said gay men need to go to prison, we got an abusive gay man in the chat, and so <laughs> I'm, I'm just look at the facts, and I'm I'm kind of firing on all cylinders here today. <laughs> Um, um, do you have time for one more? I do have time for one more. All right. Perfect. Why don't we do this? This is a voicemail. Here we go. Okay, wait. I need to say the number, you guys. As always, 323-524-7839. There's a three-minute limit now. You got to keep it right and tight. Don't be giving me no long-ass voicemail, and you don't even get to the question before you cut off. But what happens a lot of times is people will get cut off, and then they will call in a second time with a more succinct version of it. That's true. But then So I would say practice before. Okay, or mm-hmm. a voice note. Anyway, the point Isn't is... Isn't that what you want from a podcast? Them telling you... Me berating you to practice. Yeah, berating you to practice before you're calling. I love Isn't you that- all. <laughs> you know I love you. I'm just being if you, if you guys are even thinking about participating in my podcast, you better fucking get it right. <laughs> do not, do not call in here with a three minute and ten second problem. I'll kill you. <laughs> oh, here we go. This is less than two minutes. Please disregard the last message I just sent. I my brain like literally short circuited. But anyways, I love you guys so much. I have a really simple question, but it's also one that we could literally spend hours diving into. All my friends have different answers to this, so I'm really curious what you'll think. I just started dating this new guy, and honestly, he just talks about his ex girlfriend a lot, like way too much. And listen, we both went through breakups. Kind of at the same time, it's about to be a year, and we were both in serious long-term relationships for, like, three years. So I get that our exes were, like, a big part of our lives. However, why does everything remind him of his ex? Like, I was talking about how much I hate running and how I think it's a form of torture. And then he says, <laughs> oh, yeah, my ex was in a run club that I met every Sunday, blah, blah, blah. And then he moves on, and I'm like, okay, but I literally do not care. <laughs> but also, is that mean to say? Is it mean to bring up... The fact that, hey, you talk about your ex way too much, and it makes me so annoyed. And I, I, I know it's not malicious. I know it doesn't come from any bad place. It's just unbearable to be age. So, so yeah. Also, the one time you guys said you didn't have any Gen Z listeners, and I am a Gen Z listener. I'm 25, and the guy I'm talking to and about who is still always talks about his ex, he's 28. So, I don't know if that helps. Um, I really like this guy, and I feel like he's really, really great, but I'm just concerned that he's not over his ex, and I've reached the topic pretty often. I'm like, hey, are you sure you're in like, a place to start dating? And he always like affirms me how much he likes me and how excited he is for this. Um, so, I just feel like very confused. 
Okay. Well, I can't wait to hear what you guys think. Thanks so much for everything that you do. I love your podcast. Bye. Dump them. <laughs> First of all, she's she sounds adorable. I, I know, love her right? for sure. Lovely energy, lovely energy. But it's funny because I almost thought I was like, "Are you twenty five? Because I could hear the youth in her voice. Mm-hmm. And out of yeah. the clarity, again, it's not like she didn't. It wasn't like you sounded. It wasn't like oh, you have a childlike voice. There was just an energy to it, a bounce. There's a hope, a positivity. Yes, a there's a hope and it. positivity. Yes. Yeah. I here I will say one one thing about this that struck me is she said that she's breached this subject a couple of times and it's been are you sure you're ready to date? I think it might be time to take it off of him and put it on you and say hi this this is making me I re- you talk about your ex-girlfriend a lot and it's actually starting to make me kind of insecure and uncomfortable and wow. I think I, it's no more about is he ready to date and more about you're actively kind of hurting my feelings and I yes, don't like yeah. this. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I think 100%. I I'm like Caleb you literally took the words out of my mouth i was like because you're putting it on him to give you an answer to something which again if you've been seeing him for a little while then it's like yeah of course he does like you i think you're gonna get a you're gonna get he's more likely to change if you're like hey this hurts my feelings this makes me feel as though she is always on your mind yes and that is scary i know as someone who Mm -hmm. has had to learn that kind of language that is very scary to to be because it's a vulnerable thing the other thing is telling saying something about the other person you're criticizing the other person and you're not it's not opening yourself up. Right. Right. But to say, hey, that actually hurts my feelings when you keep talking about whenever I bring up like, oh, I think I'm gonna bake some bread, and you're like, Oh my god, my ex smelled like fresh bread. <laughs> what? Why right. do you say that? Also, you're gonna get more intel from the response to that, right? Because yeah. the way that someone responds to you asking a clarifying question about them that they get to decide their feelings on is one thing, but the way that a potential partner responds to you saying you're hurting my feelings mm-hmm. is massively different and like extremely clarifying, right? Right, right. The, another thing too, just out of curiosity or something to think about, and this can happen with, again, because you're 25, 28, young guy, depending on the relationship, sometimes he will be bringing up that ex and you realize, oh, that's because that was your only friend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it was like, oh, that's the only person you hung out with. Y'all were one of those couples. That and is again, real. And again, it's not for the best, but that could also be at play here. And that's just something that, you know, you, know, you the caller, you know or don't know, where it's like, do you always bring her up? Because that's the only person you hung out with for three years straight. In which case, that's sad and that will not be uh-huh. us. Um, and I think that could be part of it. But I do. I think ultimately, yeah, Caleb, like, you're right. The phrasing it, when you say I brought it up, you got to maybe try bringing it up a different way. Because if you bring it up in the way that does say what you're saying, which is like, it makes me feel bad. It makes me feel as though she is still, you know, ever present. And how do I compete with this part? Not compete, but, you know, that fe- the, the insecurity that can trigger I think that will get you some of the change. And if he still doesn't change, then that's your answer to should I break up with him or not? Mm -hmm. Also, I'd be interested how often he's bringing her like the specific example that she gave was like her saying something that like her saying, I don't like running and him being like my ex loved it is kind of a one up in a a way that feels like I would be interested how often the context is. Well, my ex girlfriend liked or was good at or had a better take right. on or whatever. Or opposite of, oh, is right. he doing like uh, what is that uh, pickup artist type shit? <laughs> He's not trying to neg her. You mean like negging her? Interesting. Like, well, we don't know. I'm just saying, like when if if Naomi, if you said something and I said, oh my uh, my college girlfriend did blank, you're like, oh, I really hate indie rock. I'm like, well, I was in a band with my college girlfriend. 
would I get be... back together with her? Yeah, that's what I. That'd be <laughs> fucked up. If I said that, to, if I said that to you, that would be fucked up. Right. So that's right. why. That's why I'm just like, is he negging her? Right. But again, that goes back to then. No, you should not be with him. No one has mm-hmm. time for that nonsense. But she's also saying like he seems he's a great guy. He seems you know. So it just seems like things everything's well and good except for this thing that does make you think. Are you all in? Are you concerned? Like you know. Well, whenever so- our callers say, "Oh, this relationship is great," and then there's a turn, and then it's like five paragraphs <laughs> of like how their partner is the worst fucking human on earth. That I'm like, so whenever someone says they're great, otherwise, I'm I'm always a little suspicious. But let's we'll take the caller at their word. Yeah, I feel like the the maybe and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like the biggest thing that maybe we could give to you is just like. Uh, I know that telling someone that they've hurt your feelings can sometimes, especially as a woman or a femme person, make you feel crazy because we're made to feel that way sometimes when we have legitimate gripes. So I think maybe the best thing we could give to you is just like, you would not be crazy to tell him that that hurt your feelings. And if you want to do that, I think it would be helpful and you wouldn't be wrong. Right. That's 100%. Also, if this, if your boyfriend's only point of reference for all of culture is (laughs) his ex, exactly, maybe get him. A subscription Thank to the Criterion you. Collection Or just put channel. him in a meetup group. This is the thing. He just may not know much. And that's, again, that age where it's like, you know, depending on when you get with somebody, they can be very formative for you. When you're like, oh, I, like, literally, I, ex- I learned about adulthood and life in this three years with this person. But now what they have to learn is that, okay, now you're in a new relationship and people don't like hearing about your previous relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just a thing you need to learn about <laughs> what it is to meet new people and date them. Even if, right. even if we're not forever, you shouldn't leave this doing that. I'll exactly. give you a <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Right. If you dated me from the age of 15... Through when did we meet? I was you were thirty twenty nine I think twenty nine so thirty three because that's when I started therapy. (laughs) All you heard about was comedy or indie rock and nothing else. Yeah, and uh, and that's not good. (laughs) I don't know where I'm going with this, but (laughs) but but no, but it's true. It's like but I was trying to think back. I'm just like oh. That was not like those were. I mean, those were nice relationships, and the the women I loved and who loved me were. Th- it was nice. I don't want to hear about that. <laughs> and who loved me more than my wife loved me? <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, but but I was just sorry. I was in my head trying to think about like the. I'm like, oh, it's functional. But I wouldn't say it was probably fulfilling for everyone involved. Sure, 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 sure. But so. yeah, but that's also yeah. So I, I think look, we're not throwing the we're not throwing them out. But I think you're just gonna get have a little more honest, an emotion, a more honest based in what you feel as opposed to asking him where he's at, and see how that adjusts. This. And I think it can probably happen. You know, if if this is a person who can take a note, you need someone who can take a note. That's what this all comes down to. Are they taking the notes? They need to. And also, if the note is you're hurting my feelings and they don't, no path forward. No path forward. Absolutely. No path forward. Completely illegitimate. Must be ended soon <laughs> and swiftly. Okay. Have either of you Prison. Two- Prison for him. Have you <laughs> two ever told a showrunner that they're hurting your feelings? <laughs> oh, 100%. Have you? For real? <gasps> Not hurting my feelings, but I've 100% told bosses uh, at work, like, I didn't like the way that went or that, that comment. I didn't like that. But see, that's because he grew up with a mama wow. who accepted his feelings and validated his emotions. And it taught him then as a grown ass adult to say, you know what? 
Not all my Also, uh, not that, but also, I'm dead serious. I will move home. Like, <laughs> like I will go open a bookstore. I do not care. Like, yeah. this is not this is not the world for me. I'll tell you that right now. I'll, I'd be happy as a barista. Yeah. <laughs> right, uh, right. So you're like, yeah, so it's like, why not? It's, you don't have that feeling where you're like, I need this to, to be, this is what it's all for. Where you're like, bitch, I ain't here for you to be to be a punching bag. It's not uh, Please. It. Yeah, the money is great, but it's, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Caleb, you ain't wrong, honey. Nuh-uh. That's the Nuh-uh. way to live. I, you know what, Caleb? You might be the freest person I've ever met. <laughs> you said, I said, I'm going to go open up a bookstore. Get Caleb out of here. Shantira over. Oh, my God. Yes. Shantira wins. Shantira wins. I will tell you that right now. Shantira Jackson? Yes. W- winner. <laughs> Nobody. You couldn't bother Shantira with a gun. <laughs> she is the most unbothered person I have ever encountered in my life, and I look up to her. I, me too. Mm-hmm. I am obsessed. Mm-hmm. Shantira literally was talking about writing where she goes, you think I'm going to lose my mind over some shit you made up one day? You just made this up. You were in line at Starbucks, and you made this person up, and now you're yelling at me because I don't have it right. Shantira's it. She, yeah, she's everything to me. Oh my god! You know what, Caleb? You're everything to me. You are. This was a beautiful to us. Us. Well, I didn't want to speak for you. I wanted you to tag on it. Listen, this was so much fun. You're the best. Thank you so so much for coming on the episode. And listeners, we hope you enjoyed it. We will see you next week. Bye. Ciao. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.